Ladies and gentlemen, we're expecting some moderate turbulence. Please remain seated and enjoy the show. Hello. And welcome to... Moderate Turbulence. My name is Jeremy. I'm Adele, and we have Roxy. Of course. Well, I think last week we didn't have her. Was it last I, week? It was within the last little bit. It was like the first no, time No, last week time. we were with Mandy. So it must have been a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Well, she's here now, and we're back in our regular podcast room in the same room yeah and apologies right now it's really cold in calgary so we do have the furnace going and i'm i'm hoping that the mics uh, don't pick it up too much but uh, if there's a little background noise it's because of the furnace yeah and uh, we don't want to be popsicles so we're gonna have to deal with that today because uh it's literally outside the the door of our podcasting room yep yep so we have an incident here today. We do have an incident. I today. prepared one finally. Yeah, Again, well, before we get into the incident, let's catch up a little bit. Well, I know. Um, I'm just. I know. Explaining. No, I'm excited. I'm excited for the new incident. You were teasing me a bit last night, saying, "Do you know what it is? Do you know what it is? Can you guess?" It's Jeremy related to others. Jeremy never wants to guess because <laughs> I want to be surprised on the podcast. Yeah, but you know a lot about aviation and and what's happened in history. So I would be curious to know if you'd have an idea I, of what. I don't. Because we've talked about many big ones already. So, true. you know, it's dwindling down of the ones that we could talk about. Well, I guess. I mean, there's always going to be enough incidents, unfortunately. But, you know, it gives us material to talk about. But, uh, well, newsworthy wise, the 737 MAX is airborne once again. Yeah, and uh, having issues once again. <laughs> yeah, so uh, a Canadian airline already had an issue with uh, the 737 MAX where it received uh, an unusual warning. So they grounded that aircraft. Um, and yeah, you know, there's some things going on. Oh, and obviously that means um, the 737 MAX is airworthy as per Transport Canada again. So, so Yeah, which that, is yeah. like good news, especially for Boeing. Yeah. But at the same time, what is what are these, you know, emergency landings and false signals or whatever it's happening? You know, it's not just this one aircraft. There's a few different airlines have experienced issues with the 737 MAX yeah. since their return to the skies. Yeah. And of course, everybody's hyper alert uh, with anything that goes on with the 737 just uh, MAX just because of, you know, the history surrounding it and the fact that it was grounded for nearly two years you know so any tiny little thing everyone's going to be like all over it so yeah i mean we're not flying anyway so yeah <laughs> when we end up flying again hopefully those kinks will be ironed out and the 737 maxes will be truly safe once again but not many people are flying right now anyway so yeah and most airlines in Canada just recently announced more layoffs. So, yeah, we're not returning to the sky anytime soon, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, well, I started a new job this week. Uh, so now I'm doing the same job that Adele's doing. I'm just in training. I've done a couple days so far. And, you know, so far so good. The best part is I'm working from home. So that's nice. My commute is short. <laughs> Yeah, well, he's working downstairs. I work upstairs yep. in the same job. And we our plan is to eventually just set up a communal workspace um, so we can, you know, help each other, create our own office. Yeah. 
of the because we're going to be working the exact same position um, and we're hoping to get the a very similar if not identical schedule just you know to be able to live on the same wavelength yeah because as of next next week we'll be on pretty much complete opposite schedules yeah i'll be finishing work when you go to bed yeah and we're not going to be spending pretty much any time together during the week yeah you know breaks and things like that but that that's only going to last a week or two hopefully yeah and we do have the same days off so the weekends will be our our days again but this week we got a treat because we have the exact same schedule yeah literally um it's funny when we're both on break and we like find each other and then like today i ran out and got us lunch and you know it's fun yeah i had some delicious pad thai and you had a vegan reuben reuben sandwich which is one of my favorites and from one of our favorite local uh local little spots here in calgary it's called hearts choices they have both um like they have the the cafe which is where we went today where they have like the vegan sandwiches and things like that and then they also have the hearts choices uh nan's Nan's noodle Noodle house oh right nan's noodle house by hearts choices uh and so they do like pho and ramen and stuff like that and it's absolutely delicious we love it yeah it's so good and it's very convenient for us because both those locations are within what five minutes driving yeah um and they're relatively healthy you know we had fries today so obviously that's not super healthy but all plant-based 100 percent of their foods is plant-based which is nice um and local and yeah it's just very very good um to support local and to put different ingredients in your body, like the the Reuben sandwich. Obviously, traditionally, that's with a lot of meat. Yeah, there's meat in there and sauerkraut and yeah. But obviously, from this place, it's plant-based. Plant-based. Yeah. So all the ingredients have been redesigned to make a sandwich that is plant-based. But, but it still tastes like a Reuben. Mm-hmm. It's so good. So yeah, those. So if you are in Calgary, or if you ever end up in Calgary, definitely look up nan's uh noodle house or heart's choices because they're delicious and if you're vegan or just like plant-based food you won't be disappointed i guarantee you yep and we're not sponsored by them so this is actually (laughs) (laughs) how we feel about their food well we're not sponsored by anyone so you know you know our opinions (laughs) are true yeah all right so you want to get into the incident so today we are talking about uh, Turkish Airlines Flight 981. Okay. Have you heard of this one? I'm okay. shaking my head now. <laughs> you can't see that on, <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> I was acknowledging it, but yeah, clearly nobody else can see you. So um, on March 3rd, 1974, a two-year-old McDonnell Douglas DC-10 nicknamed Ankara, or Ankara, flying from Atatürk Airport in Istanbul, Turkey, to London, Heathrow, England, crashed just outside of Paris. What happened? So that day we had Captain Nejat Berkoz, age 44, in command. Co-pilot uh, was First Officer Oral Ulusman, 
age 38, and flight engineer was second officer Eran Urzar. Probably butchered all those names. I do apologize. Don't speak Turkish. And he was age 37. Um, there were 335 passengers on board and 11 crew members. Among these passengers, we had uh, 17 Ang- English rugby players and six British fashion models. The information that was given, obviously. Gotcha. You know, um, and uh, noteworthy uh, was there was information about the flight attendants. Finally, yay! Um, uh, there were nationalities uh, from four were from the UK, three were from France, and one was from Turkey. Okay. So that's the information that we had, but at least we had some about the cabin crew for once. All right, so the this flight originated in Istanbul and completed the first leg of the journey to Orly Airport in Paris. It departed Istanbul at 7.57 a.m. local time and landed at Orly Airport at 11.02 local time. The flight time between these two cities was just over four hours. On the first leg, there were 167 passengers and 11 crew members on board. In Paris, 50 passengers disembarked. The second leg, which was usually underbooked, took thirty minute took a 30-minute delay because many passengers who were stranded in Paris due to the British Air European Airways employees strike were rebooked on flight 981 that day. That's tragic. All okay. these all these passengers who were supposed to be on British Airways, but there was a strike. And so they ended up on a plane that oh Well, they were stranded in Paris, and yeah, they ended up on this plane. Okay. So, yeah, so that's why we ended up with uh, 335 passengers um, from the original 167 minus 50. Anyways, you guys can do the math. Mm -hmm. Um, So, flight 981 left Orly at 12.32 p.m. and was uh, shortly thereafter cleared by ATC to reach cruising altitude of 23,000 feet. Just after reaching 11,000 feet, a loud explosion is heard and the aircraft immediately starts to bank left. The pilots then have extreme difficulty flying the plane. The plane pitches down and the pilots are, are trying to recover, but the aircraft is not responding. The first officer is heard saying that the fuselage has burst and they realize they have lost all hydraulics. The aircraft picks up speed as it keeps descending. At approximately 430 knots, which is 490 miles per hour or 800 kilometers per hour, flight 981 crashes into the Hermenonville forest in the commune of Fontaine-Chaly, just outside of Paris. Everyone on board is killed. At the time, this was the deadliest plane crash in history until 1977 when the Tenerife airport disaster occurred. It was also at the time the deadliest aviation accident involving a single aircraft until 1985 when there was the Japan Airlines. One, two, three. One, two, three. Yeah. Which we've both previously mentioned. You covered both of those. I know. So investigators from the NTSB and the French Accident Investigation Bureau discovered that the rear cargo door of the aircraft blew off. The explosive force of this event resulted in two rows of seats being sucked out of the plane and subsequently severing several control cables. Oy. Which was the reason for the loss of the flight controls. 
They learned that the cargo door blew out because it was not locked properly. The latches that were supposed to keep the door closed were not properly secured. So two years prior, an American Airlines flight, um, it was flight 96 on another DC-10, made an emergency landing after losing its cargo door. After that incident, the NTSB recommended that McDonnell Douglas change the design of the cargo door. This would not have allowed baggage handlers to close the cargo door lever if it was not properly locked. They also recommended that vents be installed in a DC-10 floors to allow the air pressure to equalize without the floor collapsing in case the cargo door did blow out. The NTSB later discovered that these recommendations were not implemented. The FAA never issued an airworthiness directive to force implement these changes. There had been an agreement between the FAA and McDonnell Douglas, which prevented this directive to be issued. Um, okay, so McDonnell Douglas told the FAA that they would make the changes to the DC-10 voluntarily. This way, it would not damage the newly built aircraft's reputation. McDonnell Douglas did make some changes to the DC-10 following Flight 96. They changed the design of the locking mechanism and added a peephole for baggage handlers to be able to look through to see if the door was locked. They also added a support plate, which would prevent baggage handlers from pulling down the lever if it was not locked securely. However, many baggage handlers did not know the purpose of the peephole. The baggage handler who loaded the cargo into flight 981 in Paris couldn't read the warnings on the door because he did not speak English. The plane used on, the, on flight 981 did not have the support plate installed. So McDonnell Douglas faced many lawsuits following this because it was discovered that they already knew about the DC-10's cargo door issue during development. They were forced to pay $18 million in damages while the FAA finally issued the directive that fixed the DC-10's cargo door. And that is the incident of Flight 981. You know, one. what's it's crazy is like you can s see some parallels between that and unfortunately the 737 MAX because, you know, we had the one incident, uh, the Lion Air incident. And then they were kind of like, oh, yeah, there's something wrong with the plane, but we're not going to issue a directive to fix it just yet. We're going to see what happens. Boom. A couple months later, another plane goes down. Like, you know, you want to you want to point fingers and say it's their fault or it's their fault. But it's kind of everybody's fault for not fixing the problem. And I'm getting a little worked up about it because it's, you know, we see it time and time again. You think you'd learn from that mistake? where, you know, 300 and was 80 some odd people had to lose their lives. And then you'd think that we would learn from that. And now 737, the same thing happens where one goes down, they know there's a problem rather than, you know, fixing the problem right then and there, another plane had to go down, you know, it's way more people losing their lives. And then it's like, oh, okay, now we'll do something, you know, it's kind of upsetting. And the blame should be, should be, uh, put on a whole bunch of different parties, not just like one, not just McDonnell Douglas, but, you know, the FAA for not issuing the directive uh, sooner. Yeah. Well, it's the part where they made an agreement. So clearly the FAA was in McDonnell Douglas's pocket and 
you know, when you make a voluntary, oh yeah, it's okay, it's okay, we'll buddy, fix I'll, I'll, I'll fix, fix it, it. Yeah. I'll, I'll take care of it, no worries, you know. So there's no official directive, official thing, you know. Your your new plane's reputation's gonna be fine, and then they like half fix it, but then, um, you know, like. Well, like you said, the mechanics didn't get all the proper, not mechanics, sorry, the, the baggage handlers didn't get the proper training on it because yeah. what, what's that peephole there for? I don't know, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And then um, a lot of, well, some of the articles and things that I read also were they initially wanted to blame that specific baggage handler for the whole incident Wow! because he was the one who didn't lock the door, but you know, it's not, it's not his fault. He's like, it was, you know, one part of one of the articles was like, he's a underpaid, low wage earning um, worker, undertrained. It's not his responsibility to have the safety of all these people on his, you know, on his, his hands, yeah. you know, he's loading the baggage, not to say that these people aren't trained, you know, especially right now, I'm sure there's well-trained but like this one person who's loading the baggage on this plane that's definitely not his responsibility especially not in 1974 yeah so you know especially if you know the directives are if you're thinking of 1974 you know like this is like before security was way it was a huge thing right well yeah and then you know there's if you're in france you know most likely especially in the 70s people weren't speaking much english there so it's a whole thing and a whole political scandal and you know i'm sure some things like that are going to pop up when in a few years about what's happened with boeing and the 737 and yeah well enough has happened already right like the fallout after the the 37 max and oh yeah we expect it to be grounded for 2 weeks max 20 months later yeah that's a huge financial uh, took a huge financial toll on boeing yeah Cool. Well, thank you for sharing that incident. It was very insightful. Where's Roxy going? Roxy's going for a little tour of the podcast room right now. <laughs> well, sometimes she gets warm on my lap. Yeah. Find, and then she just likes to lie down on the floor yeah. to cool down because she's a ball of fluff. It's true. She is very fluffy. Uh, do we have any good lighthearted news to, to end on for today? I know it's a, it's a short one today, but uh, short and sweet. Well, I think um, we got some pretty good responses from our podcast last week with Mandy. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, some people are, are never going to agree with us and some people will just decide to travel in a pandemic. And, you know, we can't change what they do, but we can provide information and, you know, talk about our experiences. And Mandy shared her experience and what she knows and how what she's learned working alongside doctors and nurses in a COVID hospital in like the hotbed of COVID in Canada, Montreal. So if you can't learn from that person who sees it firsthand every day since April, then, you know, what are we, what are we here to to say? You know, it's like, well, and just sort of some interesting information, uh, me being the super geek I am, I was looking up COVID numbers uh, worldwide uh, just on a map yesterday, and most of Canada, the numbers are starting to go down. The US, the numbers are pretty steady, but they're super high. But places where COVID's going up, Mexico, 
Cuba, different places in the Caribbean. I wonder why. Yeah. Well, not to say that the people that are traveling are irresponsible, but it seems like that's the trend. Travel will spread COVID, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, I mean, I'm not saying like, oh, this might, no, that's that's actually a fact. You know, uh, so many flights going on right now, you, you know, the flight attendants that are working, they land, they get a phone call a day later, someone from your flight tested positive for COVID, stay home in quarantine for two weeks. Almost every flight that's happening. Yeah, so it's like in, in the that news case, too, like, that's all... That's such a a detriment to the flight crew. Imagine if we were all flying, how many people would have to be grounded after every flight? It would be so much more difficult. And then, you know, in a way, it's a good thing that we're so many of us are laid off because we're keeping most, yeah, we're keeping us safe. And and yeah, no matter how safe you think you're being while traveling, you just don't know. You don't know everything and you can interact with someone who's super vulnerable who catches it and then spreads it to other people and and you know the best thing to do is just stay home and wait this out and you know like let's all stay in this together and work at it together and not take the easy way out yeah you know because there's no easy way out there's no out of this the easy way out isn't an option it's the long the long road, the long option, the patient option. And, you know, we just have to do our best and follow restrictions. And yeah, some rules aren't that clear. Some restrictions don't seem to make much sense. Like the curfew in Montreal, you can walk your dog after 8 p.m. But only one person per dog and and only... Yeah, all these things. So it's like, so everybody at 8 p.m. just decides to go walk their dog because that's the only time that they can. And I was just talking to some people in, in actually in Montreal, uh, Ottawa area earlier today. And they said that, you know, because they have to be at home by eight, stores and certain areas and traffic and certain things get super busy around 7, 730. Wow. Because, you know, that's the limit of when people can can be in stores or, or grocery shopping or, or whatever is essential for uh, to them at that time. Like, how does that make sense? Yeah. Suddenly you have a, a horde of people in the stores at a certain time because within half an hour they have to be at home yep. instead of, you know, spreading out the time when people can go. Like here, grocery stores are still open until 10 p.m. So if I want to go get my groceries at 9.30, I can pretty much guarantee you if I go at 9.30, there's not going to be a soul in the grocery store. There's going to yep. be pretty much empty aisles. I can walk around and do my groceries and pretty much interact with very little people. I can even go to the self-checkout and not interact with one single person. Yep. You know, obviously I'm aware that, you know, going out in public is still not the best thing. I only go out for essential reasons. Yep. But still, you know, is that better? Or is it better to have, you know, everybody in the Montreal area in the same grocery store at once because within the next hour, everybody has to be home. Yep. And then imagine tra- public transport transit in montreal between 7 and 8 p.m oh my goodness yeah buses metros like what happens good luck because everybody luck needs to get six home feet apart yeah because you know what uh they need to to be home if not they get fined yeah <laughs> so it's just like yeah 
some rules don't make sense. Some rules are hard to follow and some rules don't seem to be helping this. It just seems to make our lives harder and not yeah. really do anything. But we have to just follow them anyway. Yep. If for the very least not to get fined $6,000 yeah. for being out after 8 p.m. It's crazy. You know? All right. So everybody stay inside. Especially Wait. in Calgary because it's cold. Yeah, because it's cold. Bundle up. Uh, stay inside. Uh, be safe. Stay warm. And let's wait this out. Yeah. And let's, you know, still, I'm still hoping to be able to travel by the summer. Yep. At least go back to Montreal and see my mom. Um, You want to see your, your nephews too. Yeah. And okay. I, you even mentioned the other day, like, we want to visit my sister in Nebraska. Like, you know, we want to get there. We want to open the borders. We want things to be safe so that we can go and visit. Mm-hmm. You know, so everyone stay home so we can <laughs> go visit our family safely eventually. Mm-hmm. And plus, right now, even if we wanted to travel, I feel like it would be so much more stressful. Yeah. To go on a beach right now in Mexico, personally for me, I'd be so much stressed. I'd be stressed about catching COVID. I'd be stressed about you know, spreading, spreading it, it. Yeah. or God forbid they restrict everything again and you're stuck in Mexico because they canceled all the flights again and then they have to repatriate everyone back to Canada. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Anyways, rant over. I were very passionate about uh, this. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, we want to travel again, but we want to do it safely and we want to be able to open up the world and then get our jobs back, not just like skirt around the rules and then keep every, the COVID cases going up. Yep. So uh, stay safe. And if um, you are doing essential travel at this time. Remember to always be nice to your flight attendants. Because they might have to save your butt one day. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. We have new episodes every Wednesday. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Moderate Turbulence on Instagram, at Mod Turbulence on Twitter, and follow us individually on Instagram at Huffy J and at La Delvi. Thank you.